Hi, Pam. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Good. Let's uh, move on in as we are here on North Elm Street at Warsham Hall. And you are unlocking the door to WPWP Studios. This is where we record wedding planning with Pam and also help other people with their recordings. WPWP Production Studio. And now we're doing Around Town with Stark and Clark. And so let's get settled in. All right, we've got our headphones. I'm going to turn on the microphones. You sound good over there? I, and I can hear you, so Super. yeah. And we've got our uh, nice uh, podcasting uh, control board here, our trusty board, and also we have our very own theme music. We never dreamed, did we, when we commissioned that, that we would have this ready for this type of project. Back in the summer of 2016, we hired a student at Henderson County High School to do a theme song for us for Wedding Planning with Pim, and we only used the beginning of that, what we call the gliss, the sparkle, at the beginning and the end of the show, and so now we're able to use the uh, composition, the music part, and it's so exciting, and we were just talking a little while ago about we wonder what this young man's doing seven years later so we're going to have to call him and find out you know it'd be interesting if he becomes like some big time composer someday and this was his very first composition that would be cool that would be very cool well i just want to say hello henderson i'm bill steven stark and i'm pim fister clark and welcome to the first edition of around town with stark and clark every monday and friday we're going to be bringing you up to date with what's happening here in our community of henderson the intention is to keep you informed and entertained on all things happening in Henderson and beyond. And you can begin and end your week with us. We'll have a lineup of great guests, some you're familiar with, and some you'll be meeting for the first time. Our topics will range from the serious to the frivolous, and we're very excited about this new venture. Very excited. And we're coming to you today from the WPWP Studio Productions in historic Warsham Hall in beautiful downtown Henderson, where Bill and I have been recording our nationally syndicated radio show together for over 20 years. If you didn't know, we're the uh, only Art Deco building here in downtown Henderson. Of course, that show you were talking about would be Wedding Planning with Pim, airing from coast to coast on all types of great radio stations. Absolutely. Yay! That's a, We're very excited about that, too. We have two projects we've been working on, and, and that one's kind of come to fruition, and now we're doing this one. A couple of years ago, we decided that uh, 
it would be time to expand the studios here at Warsham Hall, offering some new services, uh, especially to podcasters. And this is kind of the reason this whole thing kind of got started for us. Uh, we had a lot of folks over the years ask if we would be interested in doing something like this, right? Right. And they planted the seed, and we seriously started talking about doing our own podcast two years ago. And here we are, from dream to reality. And while this studio is our comfy place, we won't be just in the studio doing in-person and phone interviews. Uh, we plan to be out as well and uh, be on location and, of course, around town too. Recently, I've retired as the news director at WSOED Radio just across the uh, parking lot from where we're sitting, and it does now allow me the time to pursue other interests in our community like this. And, Pim, you're pretty much in control over your own work schedule, so timing is uh, just right. Perfect. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to be introducing you to engaging guests and timely topics and have some fun along the way. And in addition to our guests, Bill, we'll have special features like cheers and jeers, the odd and the obvious, weekend happenings, pet project, and bits and bites. The most important element of this program is you, our listeners. We want to provide you with information that you need and topics that interest you from serious to silly, historic to hilarious. And if there is a topic that you would like for us to include, just email us at aroundtownwithstarkandclark at gmail.com. Right, and we've given you some background on why we're here today, so let's get started. Well, now that you mention it, Pim, since we're launching this new venture of ours, uh, why not let's talk about another kind of launch. That is my recording of the recent liftoff of the Artemis One spacecraft from Kennedy Space Center, which I was so privileged to be on hand to witness. I had never been to a major launch like that. I'd always promised myself I would be there for a shuttle launch. It never happened. And uh, this opportunity came about, and it was my pleasure to be there. It took a while because, uh, you may recall, the first attempts uh, didn't make it, and uh, it was almost, uh, it wasn't a sure thing it was going to go off in late November, but it did, and it's certainly opportunity of a lifetime and experience I'll never forget. Growing up in the 60s and the 70s, of course, uh, just like everybody else grew up with the space program, my heroes were astronauts and uh, everyone involved uh, in getting us into the final frontier, as it were. Being at Kennedy Space Center for this uh, launch gave me the opportunity to do something I had always dreamed of, and that was to actually interview an astronaut. And we had that chance when uh, Stan Love agreed to talk to us just shortly before the Artemis launch. Tell us a little bit about his involvement with the project, but also just a little bit about space in general, because uh, he knows he's been in outer space. Uh, he flew on the Columbia Space Shuttle. And after that, uh, not a lot of people really realize that a lot of work has been going on since the end of the shuttle program to get ready now for this next attempt to not only uh, go to the moon and establish a base there, but eventually then make our way to Mars and beyond. So let's hear what uh, Stan had to tell us that evening. A beautiful night under the stars preparing for the eventual launch of Artemis 1. 
Stan, it is great to be back here at Kennedy Space Center. Although we were thinking more of uh, closer to a 4th of July instead of Thanksgiving launch. Yes, well, it's a brand new rocket, and every time we prepare it for flight, we learn something new about it, and hopefully this time we'll get where we need to go. So far, all the milestones are going great. We're ahead of schedule. We have the main tanks full. Remember, that was a sticking point in our previous attempts. But uh, we seem to have that problem licked. We're marching down the countdown. Fingers are crossed. Maybe we'll see some smoke and fire later. And no real concern from what uh, the last storm Nicole did as far as the weather stripping uh, there at the top. So I have only read a little bit about this. So first of all, there is always concern. And the emails have been flying and the meetings have been happening and everybody's been talking about it. And, uh, but my understanding is they are comfortable with where we are. And trust me, if they weren't comfortable, we would not go. Um, but we are comfortable and we're marching forward. And again, this is something that has been all, over a decade in the making for you. You've been here as yes. part of this since the, the very beginning, I, right? I started working on the, the next NASA space vehicle in about 2004. Like, just, like I like to say, it was like when it was just a little baby PowerPoint. Well, 2004, the little baby is now 18 years old. Right. <laughs> and I've helped raise it up from when it was just a little baby. And now we're getting ready to send it off to college. How cool is it that we're talking about having a spaceport in space that we're going to be eventually using as the launch pad to get us to Mars I'm, and beyond? I'm very excited about it. Um, Gateway was also something I was involved in from its inception. Um, when Gateway was a four-person study team at Johnson Space Center, I was one of the four. Um, and we looked at all the various orbits, and we figured out what, what you can do with the throw weight of the exploration upper stage and how, what you can build. And I think we came up with a pretty good solution. Um, the orbit that it's going to be in is uh, very strange. The technical rationale behind it is very difficult, but it gives you these long dwell times over the lunar poles. So that if you got somebody down on the surface area, first of all, you can see down into those craters that you can't see into from Earth because they're sideways to our line of sight. Um, and you can get radio communication with things down at the poles. Um, and you have those long dwell times so you can hang out there. Plus, the orbit is always face on to the Earth. So even as the moon goes around the Earth, the orbit stays face on to us so that we don't go behind the moon and we never lose communication. So we work pretty hard on that orbit, and I think it's pretty cool. I mean, there's so much that goes into all of the planning and logistics. It's, uh, it's amazing. It is. This is a shorter mission, unfortunately, because of the way things have worked out calendar-wise and our orientation with the moon, right? Yes. Um, I think the greatest constraints are as you leave the Earth and go to the moon, if you fly too long in the Earth's shadow, we run out of battery power, and that's very bad, so we don't want to do that. And then also we are quite sure that we want to land in daylight (laughs) so that we can find the capsule and recover it. And, of course, the first recovery, we're probably going to learn a lot about recovering capsules at sea that we haven't had to do since the 1960s. Um, So we want to do that in daylight. And those constraints um, dictate the length of the mission. And the big handle we have to turn on the length of the mission is when you fly out to the moon and then low past the moon and then out to this distant retrograde orbit, you can either do a half a turn, half around the moon, which takes a week, or one and a half turns, which takes three weeks. And that's the dial that we can turn. So depending on your launch date, you either spend one week or three weeks in that, in that high backwards lunar orbit. 
and that's what determines your mission duration. And it's not really unfortunate that it's only 26 days, um, although I have some training I'm trying to accomplish during the mission, and it gives me a shorter window to get that done. Um, but the main goal of the mission is to do that flight, come back, test that heat shield at lunar return velocity, and it doesn't matter how long you spent orbiting the moon, when you come back into the atmosphere, you get that test. Since I think the last time we spoke, uh, William Shatner had some very interesting observations from his very brief period in space uh, in actually upper orbit or uh, atmosphere. Yeah, I did a suborbital flight with yeah, Blue exactly. Origin. Yeah. Yes. Uh, were you surprised by his reaction? He was saying that he felt profound grief. Did, did you ever feel anything like that while you were on the, the shuttle? No. So I didn't... I did, so I read a little bit of what William Shatner talked about, and of course, I grew up on Star Trek, so I was very interested to hear what William Shatner had to say about spaceflight. And I don't remember hearing about grief. I, I remember awe and, you know, gratitude, uh, not grief. And I didn't feel that. The only thing, uh, I mean, looking out at the Earth on my flight, uh, awe and being struck by the beauty of the planet Earth, and of course you can't see national borders, you just see the Earth as it is, um, see the thinness of the atmosphere, and trust me, I've got test pilot friends who never had a green thought in their life, and they came back and they were like, we must protect the Earth. <laughs> it became right. you know, total environmental activists. So that was wonderful, but I was already kind of a tree hugger, so I didn't have that transition. But um, for me, I felt a little unexpected discomfort at being disconnected from the Earth's biosphere. You know, all the air is down there, and I have a little bit in tanks up here with me, but I'm not sure I like being separated from, from Mother Earth and its environment that is, you know, right for us. And space is not a right environment for us. No, in fact, everything out there wants us uh, not to be there. Yes, yep. <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah. uh, but uh, and certainly that's something that NASA and you folks, as former astronauts, helping the next generation to kind of cope with these things. And how do we, you know, then prepare for these very long trips and extended space that we're looking at? Yeah, that is going to be a challenge. Um, so yeah, everybody who comes back has experiences, and everybody's experience is a little bit different and personal. Um, we all share them as widely as we can so that the next groups can be ready, and it will be interesting to see how folks fare on a three-year mission to Mars. That's astronaut Stan Love, a true American hero and a real down-to-earth kind of guy. It was certainly a thrill to get to meet him and all the hard-working, dedicated folks at NASA. And just to recap him, the Artemis One mission did make it to the moon and back. And the Orion spacecraft, well, it survived re-entry. It successfully splashed down intact just off the California coast where it was recovered, as Stan mentioned in his interview, in broad daylight. Well, that has to be such a relief after so many false starts and delays. But this story's far from over, right? So what happens next? As we speak, NASA engineers are going over the Orion capsule inch by inch, reviewing how it fared during that fiery re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. Some of the spacecraft's parts are also being taken apart, recycled for use on the next Artemis mission, scheduled to launch sometime in 2024. Everything learned from this inaugural flight is critically important. And that would be because? Because going forward, the stakes get much higher. This first mission was uncrewed. 
Artemis 2, Artemis 3, 4, 5, and beyond will all have brave men and women on board. And to learn more about today's topic, just go to our website, Around Town, with StarkandClark.com, and you'll find a link to the Artemis Project. There's also some behind-the-scenes photos I took while I was at the Kennedy Space Center, including one with me and Stan and CBS Radio News veteran Peter King, who I also had a chance to meet. But that's a different story for a different time. And speaking of time, we're all out. How did that happen? It's gone so fast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We'll have more great topics for you each Monday and Friday. They'll be posted to our website and also wherever you find your podcasts. Have an idea for our show? Email us at aroundtownwithstarkandclark at gmail.com and be sure to tell your friends. He's Stark. And she's Clark. And until next time... We'll We'll see see you around town. town.